I don't want to do that. It feels unnatural to me. Do you recognize this? I have a certain behavior and it's hard for me to change, but all I have to do is just do it. And that is probably the crux of the matter. People don't like to change because it hurts because it's hard or quote unquote, it's unnatural. Of course it's unnatural because we're changing. We are creatures of habit. And so if you feel prompted to do something that leaves your comfort zone, good. That's called change. Hi, welcome back to Chats with Chaz. Thanks for tuning in. Come for the stories, stay for the puns. Hello, my good friends. We're listening to another episode, and I am really excited about this one. As I've talked about in the past, we have been going over the different lessons within the Preach My Gospel manual. I know it sounds very religious, but I try and make each one of these episodes as applicable as possible to everybody. And so I'm going to do that again for this particular lesson, but it is going to be referencing a lot of scriptures from the Bible and from the Book of Mormon. And I really hope that you have an open mind about this. And just, again, like I've talked about in the past, listen to the the truth that resonates with you as you go about this. But today we're going to be talking about what is the most effective way to change. And in fact, there are five steps to going about the most effective change that I'm going to talk about with you today. And I've learned this for myself in the Preach My Gospel manual. When I first identified with these lessons or these steps, I was in the MTC, which is the Missionary Training Center, prepping to be a missionary uh, for, for my mission, for the church, essentially. Growing up, I had heard about principles of faith, repentance, and baptism, but I never actually knew they were all connected. On top of being connected, they were actually in an, a never-ending cycle or a loop that is just perfect, in my opinion. And so we're going to talk about this process today. I have learned how to apply this five steps for change and progression in my own life, and I'm going to share a couple of stories and examples of how I went from being a certain way to becoming a different man. And I believe that everybody can apply these principles, whether you're religious or not religious, into your own life. And you can see the quickest and the most effective way of changing your behavior and changing your nature so that you can achieve unbelievable amounts of joy, peace, love, and self-worth in yourself today. Awesome. So we're going to jump right in and we're going to talk about the first step, which is to believe. Step one is you need to believe in something. You can't change until you believe, whether that's in yourself or in Jesus or maybe in both. Change or self-improvement starts with a belief or trusting in oneself. So I like to say that I have trust or belief in Jesus Christ. Because if I didn't believe that, that he could perform a miracle in my life, then I wouldn't even bother to try and change. So for example, I, I used to weigh a lot more than I did. And I'm going to talk about like my physical health. And I wanted to change and I wanted to weigh less. And so back when I was in high school, I didn't really think that I could change. I thought my body type was the same way it was going to be. Kind of fluffy. And I never really wanted to change. It wasn't until I decided that I that I thought that I could change if I put in the effort and I started believing in myself that I decided to change my behavior. And then when I graduated from high school, I started walking a lot more. I started running and I changed the way that I ate. It was mostly uh, because of my circumstances. I ended up serving a mission in Mexico where I didn't have access to unlimited milk from Walmart and I didn't drink that much. And then I, I had a fixed diet every single day and I ended up walking miles and miles and miles. 
And I lost like 50 pounds. And my aspect of the way I viewed myself changed. I actually believe now that I have the ability to gain and lose weight. I believe in myself. One more effective way uh, of having this belief is belief in Jesus Christ. Like I said before, um, believing that he can perform miracles in your life is probably the most effective way of changing yourself. There's a scripture in Hebrews 11:1 1, that describes what faith is or trust, and it goes like this. Faith is hope for things which are not seen, but true. Essentially, you can envision a future for yourself and you can make it so. Animals can't really do this. They live instinctively and it's really hard for them to change their nature. However, we are humans and we have the ability to change. We have the ability to use our imagination or a human endowment that no other creature has to see into a possible future, imagine it, and then make it so. It always begins in the mind. So if you would like to change first, imagine what you would like to become and then believe it can be. Once you actually genuinely believe it might be possible, that's where real change starts to happen. So identify a behavior that you don't like or you would like to improve on, and then you need to start believing that you can change. Going back to utilizing, I'm always going to recommend that you rely on Jesus Christ for this process because he accelerates it every time. So I'm gonna give you the the, the, the normal way of change, like the principles, and then I'm going to give you an accelerated program version where you involve Jesus Christ, the Lord, in all of the steps. So there's a scripture in the New Testament that talks about a woman with the blood disease. It's in Matthew 9. And essentially, Jesus was walking through the city, and he was passing through a crowd of people, and one of the people in the crowd was a woman and she had had a blood illness for about 12 years. We don't know what the illness was, just that she had gone to lots of doctors and no one could heal her. And she was absolutely destitute. She she couldn't afford to, to pay for any more physicians. And she was kind of desperate. She had heard of this man named Jesus who was a miracle worker. And she thought, maybe he can perform a miracle on me. Guess what? She's believing. She trusts in him enough to try and do something about it. So you know what she did? When he passed through the throng of people, she reached out and simply touched his robe in the hopes that she might be healed just by touching his clothing. And the cool thing is that Jesus somehow recognized that virtue had gone out of him. Something, some kind of energy had left him and he stopped and he said, someone has touched me. And one of his disciples are like, there's literally so many people around us. Of course, someone touched you. Yeah, we're in a crowd full of people. But no, he turned around and somehow he looked right at her. And this is what the scripture says. But Jesus turned him about. And when he saw her, he said, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. And that's really important because in my own life, I could choose to try and change on my own, but that is very hard to do because we're mortal and it's really hard to change. I personally would love to rely upon the grace of Jesus Christ in order to change me faster than I could change myself. And that is the accelerated program that I'm suggesting. If you want to choose uh, to believe in something, believe in Jesus Christ because he has the power to change your very nature. You have to understand you don't have to change yourself all by yourself. Literally, the woman did nothing to heal her blood disease. She did not operate on herself. She did not put in like tons and tons of effort and time in order to do that. What she did was a gesture of faith towards the Savior, and his power healed her. That's grace. So if you would like 
to change faster, I would highly recommend that you believe in Jesus Christ and you pray and you ask with faith, believing that he can heal you or to change you or to improve you. And you start relying on the savior for your change. I promise you, you are going to see changes in your life, probably not the way that you expect or not the changes you're thinking, but he will help you change faster than if you chose a change on your own. So that's the first step is you need to believe or you need to have faith either in yourself or in Jesus or in both. The next step is repentance. And you know what? It follows a very logical and natural progression because when you actually start believing you can change, well, that's it. You're just going to try. I had this one time where I moved into a new uh, area, a new community. I started going to a ward, a YSA ward in college, and I wanted to make some friends and I was feeling really introverted and I was really scared. I didn't think I was going to make friends, but I decided to trust in the Lord and say, I think that I will be able to make some friends if, if the Lord helps me. And so I chose to believe. And when I did, I sat down and I prayed and I said, all right, Lord, how am I going to make friends? And he gave me promptings. And he said, I want you to go and ask for people's names after church every day. And I'm like, that's scary. (laughs) I don't want to do that. (laughs) It feels unnatural to me. Do you recognize this? I have a certain behavior and it's hard for me to change. But all I have to do is just do it. And that is probably the crux of the matter. People don't like to change because it hurts because it's hard or quote unquote, it's unnatural. Of course it's unnatural because we're changing. We are creatures of habit. And so if you feel prompted to do something that leaves your comfort zone, good. That's called change. In the scriptures, they call this repentance and it's synonymous with change. In the guide to the scriptures, uh, in the LDS scriptures, it describes repentance this way. A change of mind and heart that brings a fresh attitude towards God oneself, and life in general. And I've also really liked to reference The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. In that book, they call it a paradigm shift, which is described as a fundamental change in approach or underlying assumptions about how you view the world. So when you recognize a behavior that you want to change, you need to shift the way you look at it. And it always starts in the mind. I'm going to talk about that for a second. In our church, we believe that things were designed spiritually before they were designed physically. And I really do believe that. Whenever we act, whenever we behave, everything originates mentally first. You are designing your world five steps before it exists. And then you step into that new reality. And so that's why I believe it's very important that first we need to imagine ourselves first. And then we need to start speaking a different way. And then it'll be so much easier to act a different way. Let me explain with a story. Once upon a time, I was in an addiction recovery program for pornography. And I had some behavior that I wanted to change. I had a habit of continually going back and looking at pornography, despite the fact that I didn't want it in my life anymore. An addiction is where you keep going back to something, even even though you don't really want it, you are compulsively acting on that behavior. And it may be causing damage to you. You know it's causing damage to you, and yet you continue to do that. So I was in this program, and I was learning how to change myself. So... Change began in my mind before it began in my behavior. I learned that my behavior stemmed from stress and coping with stress. And I realized why I behaved the way I did. Because I realized I had childhood trauma that was causing me to believe I wasn't enough. For some reason, when I was a kid, I didn't think that I was enough. And I wasn't good enough. And so whenever that would happen, I would have a typical day at school. I didn't feel like I was sufficient or that I was able to 
take on the stresses of my own life. And so I went and I wanted to feel better. And that's when I would get triggered. That's when I would have these great, great temptations to, again, cope with my stress with pornography because I felt good. And that pleasure in the brain makes me feel better. And that is not a correct behavior. And it all goes back to the mind. Once I realized the trauma of my childhood and this script that I had running through my head, I decided to change my mind. I started telling myself, Chaz, you are enough. Chaz, you are sufficient. Yes, you are capable of taking on whatever life can throw at you. Yes, you can. Yes, you are enough. And when that happened, stress continued to run into my life. It's, can, it's a normal thing. It's okay to feel stress in your life. But when it did hit, you know, when crap hit the fan, I behaved differently where I actually believed in myself. And I had the ability to choose a different way of coping with that stress. I didn't automatically return back to pornography. I had the choice to cope in exercise. I cope with creativity by uh, doing graphic design and playing the piano. And it's a choice that I can now make because I've recognized in my mind why these things are going back. And it all began with the mind. Once that happened, then my physical behavior, my manifestation of my thoughts crystallized into my behavior and I could then change. Now, I've explained the principle of change or repentance in a very like basic form. But again, I do want to reference back to uh, the Savior because there is a faster way of change. I could probably change on my own, like I said, recognizing this, uh, this, this childhood trauma and, and changing on my own, or we can opt in to get help from the Savior and His grace. And I love grace. And let me explain a little bit more about that. There's a scripture in the Book of Mormon in Ether 12, 27, where a prophet of the Lord is talking about grace and, and why we choose to have weakness. And this means a lot to me because, as you know, I was recovering from pornography and I, I felt I had a weakness. You know, I, t- I had a very big weakness and I tended to want to revert back to that behavior over and over and over and over. And I tried to strengthen that muscle and it was so hard. And this scripture means so much to me because I really identify emotionally with the word weakness. I feel weak when it comes to resisting that kind of an addiction or that kind of behavior. But anyway, in this scripture, this is what it says. If men come unto me, Jesus, I will show unto them their weakness. I give unto men weakness that they may be humble. And my grace is sufficient for all men that humble themselves before me. For if they humble themselves before me and have faith in me, then will I make weak things become strong unto them. And I love that. Let's break that scripture down just a little bit. There are two things that we need to do in order to unlock grace. First one is humility. Another way to describe humility is malleability. Malleable. Just like Play-Doh. Play-Doh, you can move and change in your hand very easily. And then in conjunction with this humility, this ability to allow the Savior to, to change you is faith. And faith, as we've learned before, is belief or trust in the master potter to mold and shape you. If you don't believe, you won't be compelled to follow promptings like the woman with the blood issue. Do you remember that? She felt prompted to reach out and touch his robe. That wouldn't solve anything, but for some reason she wanted to touch the robe. She, was, she felt compelled. She was humble and she was faithful. 
And that is how a miracle happened. So change can happen so much faster. Your ability to repent can happen so much faster if you choose to repent with the Lord. Give him your weakness. Acknowledge that you have a weakness in certain areas. You can't resist Oreos. They just taste so good. So give that weakness to him and let him guide you. He'll be like, okay, thank you for giving me this to you. I'm going to tell you to do X, Y, Z. And you're like, that makes no sense. Why would that work? Why would that, that in my mind, the way I view the world, that would not fix my problem, but I'm humble. So I'm malleable. I'm, I'm allowing him to change and I'm faithful. I trust him. So I will follow the prompting. And that is how I've changed in my own life. I have followed promptings that I have not understood and they have led me to people who have helped me or they have led me to situations that have saved me, that have warned me against temptation countless times because I choose to rely on a savior who can help me. So that's the second step is repentance or change. Just do it. Just follow that prompting or follow that idea of like, I'm going to try and behave differently and just do it. The third step is you got to make a promise. And according to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's called baptism. And I'll explain that in a second. But your first step is you need to make a promise. You can make a promise with yourself. Once you've changed your behavior, once you've believed in yourself and you've changed for the better, you don't want to revert. Don't go back to your your previous life. You're happier this way. You know, you're, you're no longer eating Oreos. You're now going on runs. You know, you like this. So you need to make a promise to yourself saying, I will not go back. So promises are so important. They're promises. If you want to be even more effective in your change and have more lasting change, then make a promise with somebody else. In the addiction recovery program, that's called a sponsor. That's an accountability partner. That's where you say, hey, I'm now behaving this way on a regular basis. And I want you to keep me accountable. And I promise you that I will not revert. And I need you to just follow up with me. And they say, okay. So they'll call me up and say, hey, are you still are you still maintaining this new behavior? And you can say yes. And it helps knowing that someone's going to follow up with you, knowing that somebody knows what you've been through, that you've been through a process, that you've changed for the better. And you don't want to let them down. You want to continue. You don't want to let yourself down. So making a promise with somebody else is an even more effective way of having lasting change. The most effective way of having lasting change, though, is making a promise with Jesus Christ himself because you can enter a contract with him. He has actually said this in multiple scriptures, especially in the Book of Mormon, uh, which I would highly recommend that you read, where if we choose to do certain things, he also promises to send help. And this is the contract. Essentially, this is our part. We promise to be his disciples and to obey his commandments and to be like him. His part is he will save us, redeem us, and empower us beyond our own abilities. Remember the story of the woman with the blood disease. We are eligible of that kind of miraculous power if we choose to be his disciple. The only way to do that is by being baptized by proper priesthood authority into his church and being his disciple. I would love to talk more about the rightful priesthood authority on earth today in another podcast, because I think it would be very beneficial to know because there's lots of different denominations and different uh, Christian beliefs. And everybody believes that they are the church of God. And it's kind of controversial because, again, I'm going to say that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the only one that has the authority of God. And that's and we got to talk about this in another podcast. And it's also a personal belief of mine based on evidences and, and prayers that I've received. But essentially, in the Book of Mormon, I'm going to give an example of this baptism. There was a prophet of Jesus Christ named Alma. This is what he said. Behold, here are the waters of Mormon, for thus they were called. 
Huh, that's probably why people think we're called Mormon. And now, as ye are desirous to come into the fold of God and to be called his people and are willing to bear one another's burdens that they may be light, and ye are willing to mourn with those that mourn, ye comfort those that stand in need of comfort. He's describing all the attributes of Jesus himself, by the way, which is what we're saying, be a disciple of Jesus. And to stand as witnesses of God at all times and in all things and in all places that ye may be in even until death, that you may be redeemed of God and be numbered with those of the first gen- resurrection, that you may have eternal life. Now I say unto you, if this be the desire of your hearts, what have you against being baptized in the name of the Lord as a witness before him that ye have entered into a covenant with him or a promise that you will serve him and keep his commandments? And here is the biggest blessing that he may pour out his spirit more abundantly upon you. Now, that is the greatest gift that you can give because when we choose to take upon ourselves the name of Jesus Christ, he pours out his spirit upon us, which means he will prompt us to behave differently. He will guide us. He will help us. He will empower us that when we feel a lack of motivation, like I don't want to get up and, and work out or I don't want to go run, we can pray and he will send an enabling power, his grace, his spirit to help us. When we make promises with Jesus Christ, he helps us change and stay changed. That's why I love uh, the sacrament so much. In church, we partake of the sacrament, which is water and bread that, that are symbols of his blood and his body. And that's where we renew our baptismal covenant every single week. When I was baptized, we got into a a little pool of water and I went all the way under and then I came all the way out. And that is a symbol of death and life to me. When I went under the water during my baptism, my old self died. And when I came out of the water, I was a new person. I was Saint Chaz to the best of my ability. I still had a long way to go, but I was now a disciple of Jesus Christ. As time goes on, we have the opportunity to renew that promise with Jesus Christ every single week. And I love that because I make a lot of mistakes during the week and I need that, that feeling again because we are forgiven of our sins when we choose to follow Jesus Christ again. So whenever I take the sacrament, I like to keep this in mind. They give us a little cup and this is a habit that I've had for years. When you drink the cup, you have to you know, swallow, which means you can't breathe for a second. When I swallow the water, I like to imagine myself going under the water once again, like I did in my baptism. And when I came out of the water, I took my first breath of new life as a new man, new beginnings. Oh, there's nothing better. And so when I take that water, I imagine my own baptism and I choose consciously to have a new life again, at least for one more week, to act like the Savior, to be like him in all that I do and say. And I'm forgiven. I can feel forgiveness of my sins and my behavior if I truly am sincerely sorry. And if I again renew my promise with Jesus to try and be like him, then he forgives me. He's already forgiven me on the cross. It's myself that I never really let up. Whenever I feel guilty, even after the sacrament, it's usually because I haven't yet forgiven myself because he's already done it. He's already forgiven me. He loves me unconditionally. So when I take that sacrament, I am baptized again and I feel forgiven and I feel at peace. I love making my promise with Jesus Christ and I would highly recommend you make a promise with Jesus Christ today. By the way, if you are listening to this podcast 
and you are not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and would like to hear more about these lessons and learn more about the church, I would totally invite you to reach out to me or to go to lds.org and reach out for some missionaries, and they can share more principles about this with you. You can actually get baptized as well, and you can also make a promise with Jesus Christ under proper authority and feel that forgiveness, feel that love, and feel that change. It's a very real feeling, and I love it with all my heart. I'm not trying to promote or push anything. I'm just providing a resource if you are desirous to have a better relationship with Jesus Christ in your life. My laptop is about to die, so I'm going to split this into two different episodes and pick up on the fourth and the fifth step in another episode. That is where you're going to understand how to follow your gut feeling or to be entitled to the the constant companionship of the Holy Ghost, which is the most amazing guide throughout your life. And then finally, the final step is to rinse and repeat, where you are going to continually endure to the end and renew your covenants in sacrament, like I explained before. I really hope you've enjoyed what I've shared with you today, and I absolutely love sharing these thoughts because they have changed the way that I think, and they are the best way I have learned to change my behavior and to find peace, love, and joy in my life. Again, thank you for tuning in, and I hope you have a fantastic day.